You are now listening to AHIC Talks Episode 2. Hi, this is Jennifer Pettinger Haynes, Managing Director of Bench Events and founder of Griff. I'm going to be chatting today with Andrew Morrow, who's Director of Operations for The Firmament. Andrew has recently come back to our shores after a stint in his homeland of Australia. He's a fellow Aussie. So I'm looking forward to chatting to Andrew about his impressions of Australia's restaurant scene and what it's like to be back. And has anything changed in the subsequent two years? Looking forward to talking to Andrew also about the, the Firmament's big plans for the overseas market. So Andrew, lovely to see you back. In Dubai. Thank you very much. How long were you gone? Two years and two months. Two years and two months. Two years and two months. And was it, I mean, what did you kind of, you were in Australia, right? Yes. And what did you find coming back? Was there a big shift in the market? I think during the the peak period of COVID, which was kind of leading up to about Mm. three or four months ago in the UAE, I imagine there was a lot of changes. Since I've been back, I've been very focused on our business, which is, Mm. you know, I guess, had the blinkers on, so I'm, I'm only really focused on this part. But I see the footfall is there. I see, you know, the consumer is out back in the market spending money, albeit at a slightly lower rate than what we were used to in Dubai. Just speaking to a lot of my friends and peers in the industry, even the, the industry people, they're spending less. They're, they're going out less, and they're a bit more conscious on what they're spending, uh, but they are looking for quality. So if anything, that would be the biggest difference. People aren't going out and People I'm in, impacted by aren't mm-hmm. going out and just dropping wads of cash. I'm sure that market still exists, but probably on a smaller scale. And let me ask you, um, what did you, like, I mean, kind of having gone back to a more established market, you could say, mm. in Sydney, oh, no, sorry, Sydney, Australia, yeah. and then coming back here, was what was kind of the, the difference or what comparisons did you see? Massive difference. Mm-hmm. Australia is, it's an incredibly mature market. The market in Australia is, is very heavily influenced by the, the labour laws of Australia. The average rate that a even a basic person earns there is very, very high. And it makes it essentially impossible for restaurants to dedicate a lot of man hours to training. So one of the things that I was most disappointed about with the industry in Australia is that the mid-range restaurant level has, has really focused on two or three styles and, and options. And the diversity is, is, is lacking in that area. And that's purely because uh, employers or business owners, where in Australia the majority of them are small business owners, mm-hmm. they don't have the capital to, to dedicate you know, 30, 40, 50 hours of training to staff. So they tend to hire staff um, that have come from restaurants like they are themselves, so they don't have to retrain. Um, or vice versa, they actually change when a new chef starts they allow the chef to change the, the concept, of, concept of their venue to, to prevent them having to pay for all retraining of their existing staff. So it's a little bit sad, but at the same time, Australia is also has some of the best chefs in the world. You know, um, you know Josh Neeland. People like Josh Neeland at uh, St. Peter and you know and the McConnell brothers, Andrew and Sean, mm-hmm. they're doing some really great stuff. I didn't realize they were brothers. How do you, Sean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's three of them, actually. The, the most yeah. famous one's Andrew, and then Sean's kind of tends to be more Sydney ACT-based. Okay. And then there's another one up in uh, Queensland. People who really love and have a passion for the industry in Australia, they tend to have the better restaurants, and everybody else, the market is shrinking down to 
very fine point of similarity. Where in Dubai, everything's the opposite. Everyone's really hungry, everyone wants to do the next new thing, everyone's hungry for something, the point of difference. You know, what's going to be the hook that gets people to come to my restaurant? What are we going to do different? And I love that about I've always loved that about Dubai. The, the action, the fast pace, the constant need to update, upgrade, improve, you know, transform your offering. I think that's a very dynamic aspect of the Dubai market. Oh, well, I think that Dubai does definitely have some of the most, uh, one, one of the most dynamic restaurant scenes in the world. Mm. It seems to be constantly uh, evolving, changing. And I think they have a very demanding consumer here as well. Yes, I think consumers here are very demanding because they've, I guess they've, they've had it good for so long. Mm. The industry, um, through its maturation, has had that aggressive, you know, punchy impact. So the, to the consumer, there's always somewhere new to go, always somewhere perceivably better to go. So there's no loyalty in the market here, I would say, like there would be in Australia. Of course, mm-hmm. there's certain people who love certain restaurants, but you know, you don't get that really dedicated brand loyalty or, or venue loyalty that you would in a much more you know owner-operator, smaller, more established market. And I think the discount culture here and there's 25 apps and books and things where you can get vouchers and, and deals and codes and nobody really wants to pay full price for anything anymore. They just expect a, a handout. I would say that's probably the biggest detrimental element of the industry here is that discount culture. That's very interesting. I mean, for you guys, over the last year, obviously with the impact of COVID, it doesn't seem to have slowed down your expansion plans. No. If anything, it's, it's sped them up. Um, you know, COVID was a horrific incident that happened in the world uh, and it's still happening. And, you know, many people uh, lost their businesses globally. And the the positive outcome of that is that there are some amazing venues that are on the market and with landlords that are hungry to fill those venues in an incredibly difficult market. We've been very lucky to, to survive, you know, 2020 and COVID. And, you know, all credit to the team here. They really, you know, did a great job to, to keep the quality up, to keep the service standards up, to survive financially through the, the shutdown period and then pull themselves back from, from that period and grow back to where we are today. And that's obviously given us the confidence that we have um, a great concept that is, uh, that is enjoyed and, and loved by people. So when the time came to look at our expansion, we were like, well, we've got a great concept. There's a lot of interest in the market for the brand and for brands like us. And now there's some amazing global venues that um, the landlords are, are willing to do good deals on. So it's, it is um, obviously a little bit scary, but it's very, very exciting. And most of our expansion plans, hopefully, touch wood, if everything goes well with the vaccine rollout, will be coming online just as the world starts to uh, ease restrictions and open back up. So where are you looking at expanding? Can you tell us? Uh, well, I can tell you that what's confirmed. So mm-hmm. here in Dubai, we've um, we've got a beautiful venue in the Dubai Marina that we'll be doing uh, under the London project moniker. We'll be doing three new brands uh, that will be uh, brand new in the market. Mm-hmm. And then we, as many people may have already seen, the announcement's just been made that we've taken a location in Canary Wharf in London in a floating of all things. Um, so the London project goes to London. The London project goes to London, and um, the reason, one of the things that we like to um, uh, hold ourselves true to is an iconic location. 
uh, we think that here in the Blue Water Islands, uh, it's an incredibly iconic location. And when we got the opportunity to take the Canary Wharf site in London, it was the same. It was such an iconic location. So they're, they're floating units that were built in a shipyard, and then they were wow. recently sailed down the Thames and in through the gates into Wood Wharf in Canary Wharf. Mm-hmm. And they're just going through the process now of um, stabilising themselves to the, the jetties there. And, uh, yeah, so that's where we'll be opening our first um, London venue. Exciting. And then we have uh, we have more global expansion plans that are, are dependent on, um, again, seeking out and, and finding and solidifying amazing, iconic locations that befit the brand. So, yeah. And so you guys are taking this on as an um, owner-operator? Yes, very much so, yes. Mm-hmm. So we will... Um, uh, we will need to expand our team, <laughs> of course. Uh, we can't do it all based here in, in Dubai. So we will have, um, uh, over the next 12 months, we'll be growing our team to include a more internationally diverse uh, portfolio of, of people. So. And do you think this is maybe a moment for, because, um, you know, the dynamic you mentioned before post-COVID, for some of these Dubai-born brands to go global? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the market is right. I think if you've got a proven brand with um, very good quality food, really good quality offering, and a point of difference, I think the world is hungry to see what you have to offer. In our experience, the the, the, um, the landlords and the, the estate agents that we're speaking to are always looking for that point of difference. I think um, coming into the new world era of post-COVID, uh, mentality is that they're looking for uh, entertainment as much as they're looking for quality food and beverage. So, you know, if you're a brand that uh, has an exciting element to your your concept and you are looking to expand, time is nice. And let me also ask, what other markets do you think are exciting? Globally, it's very exciting. I think there's, there's certain markets like the US which have, have struggled more than most. They've really been hit very, very hard by COVID and a lot of people have lost their businesses and, and it's all very sad. Uh, and as much as I think a lot of those people who had a great concept pre-COVID will be able to bounce back and get themselves back into a venue, I think that what comes into America will will be really interesting. I think Europe is a little bit slower, if I'm honest, particularly mainland Europe. I think that'll be a lot slower to recover. And, you know, the cost of doing business there is also a, a factor that needs to be very, very, very carefully considered before anybody kind of goes in and spends lots of money there on, on fit-outs and, and development. As we were just talking pre-interview, the, the African market sounds interesting, and that's not a market that I'm overly familiar with, but, you know, the little bit I am hearing, it sounds interesting. Uh, and Asia. I think Asia is going to be, um, you know, like it was pre-COVID, I think it's going to continue its uh, growth and, and dominance in the international F&B and hospitality scene. Interesting. And well, thank you so much, Andrew. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to hosting the advisory board cocktail party here on the 17th of May. Yes, it should be a lot of fun. We're actually going to be, uh, hopefully, I have, I won't share any finite plans yet, but we're hopefully, hopefully going to be showcasing something a bit new and um, the direction that we'll be going in long term. So it'll be really nice to have, you know, our peers seeing that for the first time getting their feedback, which I'm sure there'll be many opinions. <laughs> no. <laughs> people are going to opinion. Um, no, we're really excited. I'm looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate Pleasure. it. Cheers. Yeah.